0: Welcome to the Colonial Hills Podcast, a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church. We look this evening at what it means to face the giant of ridicule. When I was in high school, I met two men whose testimonies radically impacted my life. One, his name was John. He had recently arrived in America from Lebanon. He had been reared in a rather well-to-do home in Lebanon, but having trusted Christ as savior, he'd been rejected by his family members. He'd come to America to study at Practical Bible Training School. He had no home to go back to in Lebanon, and yet he trusted in the promise of God to sustain him. When I was in high school, a young man by the name of Jeff, his last name was Moses. Jeff Moses began attending our services, somebody in his workplace a man from our church, had witnessed the gospel to Jeff. Jeff had been born into a Jewish home, a Jewish family. When Jeff trusted Jesus Christ as his Savior and became a completed Jew, he too felt the abandonment of his family and found himself so appreciative of the Christian family that he'd been born again into. Jesus said in Matthew 5 and verse 11, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you, persecute you, and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Those who are involved in the service of the Savior should never be surprised when they face antagonism. Jesus said in John 15, If the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own, but because you're not of the world, because I've chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. The Lord said to his disciples, remember the word that I've said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If, you've been, if they persecuted me, they will, they will persecute you. In 2 Samuel chapter 6, we find David moving the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. This is arguably the day of greatest spiritual highlight, the great day of greatest spiritual euphoria in all of David's life. David wanted to build a temple for the Lord. But God said, David, you can't do it. That will become Solomon's opportunity, and you won't be there when the Shekinah glory fills the Holy of Holies. David had a burden to serve the Lord. David was not of the priestly tribe. There would never be a day when David could offer a sacrifice in the tabernacle. He would not make the mistake that King Saul before him had made. So arguably, this day that we read of in 2 Samuel 6, is the most wonderful spiritual day of worship in the life of King David. He's dancing before the Ark of the Covenant as the Ark of the Covenant is brought into the newly consecrated capital of Israel. He's rejoicing. And the results of his rejoicing, he gets home and his wife ridicules him. Verse 20 says, David returned To bless his household, and Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today who uncovered himself today in the eyes of the handmaids of his servant, as one of the vain fellows shamelessly uncovereth himself. You need to understand, folks, that jubilant believers often encounter ridicule when they fully dedicate themselves to service for God. Before we study this particular day, it's well for us to put it into its context, to understand the significance of bringing the Ark of the Covenant into this place that is not only David's home that has become the capital of the people of Israel. As we look at the Ark of the Covenant, you'll recall that the Ark was constructed and placed in the tabernacle by Moses, and that happened around 1491 B.C., Thank Jay for doing some background research on the dates for this. I know in Exodus chapter 40 verse 18, the word of God said, Moses reared up the tabernacle and fastened his sockets and set the boards thereof and put the bars therein and reared his pillars and spread abroad the tent over the tabernacle, putting the covering of the tent above it as the Lord commanded Moses. And he took and put the testimony into the ark and set the staves on the ark and put the mercy seat above upon the ark and brought the ark into the tabernacle. Moses did that when the ark was first built around 1491 BC. The ark was carried into the promised land, not by Moses of course, it was carried into the promised land by Joshua around 1451 BC. And we read in Joshua 3 and verse 14, it came to pass when the people removed from their tents to pass over Jordan, the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the people, all Israel passed over on dry ground. The ark, When it arrived in the promised land was set up first in Gilgal. The word of God tells us that in Joshua 10 and verse 15 that the camp was in Gilgal. But the ark would be moved from Gilgal. It would be moved to a place called Shiloh around 1444 BC after the land was conquered. Joshua 18 and verse 1, the whole congregation assembled together at Shiloh and set up the tabernacle of the congregation there. But of course the ark was lost. At the Battle of Ebenezer, the ark was lost that day, as the Philistines would take the ark around 1122. On that same day, the priest Eli would die, as well as his sons, a dreadful day in the history of Israel. But as the days have moved by, the Bible tells us that that ark was returned in 1122, seven months after it was taken, it was returned into the home of Abinadab. And now, David is moving the ark. It's 1048 B.C. David has learned a valuable lesson by trying to bring the ark into Jerusalem the wrong way. You remember how the ark had been put on a cart and moved by Uzzah and his brother Ohio? And how that Uzzah had died? God's work has to be done God's way if it's going to know God's blessings. And God's way is revealed in the book of Numbers chapter 4 when Aaron and his sons have made an end of covering the sanctuary and all the vessels of the sanctuary, that includes the ark, as the camp is to set forward. After that, the Bible says the sons of Kohath shall come to bear it, speaking of the ark and the furnishings. But they shall not touch any holy thing lest they die. These things are the burden to the sons of Kohath in the tabernacle of the congregation. In fact, in Numbers chapter 7, the word of God says in verse 8, that there were wagons and oxen that would be given to the sons of Gershom four wagons eight oxen and to the sons of Merari these were to carry the temple cloths the tent if you will but the furnishings of the temple and the ark of the temple would never be placed on an, on a on a cart no the sons of Kohath the word of god says in numbers chapter 7 and verse 9 the sons of Kohath They were given no cart because the service of the sanctuary belonged unto them that they should bear it upon their shoulders. The Ark of the Covenant had to be covered. No eye should see it. It had to be carried on the shoulders of others. But here in 2 Samuel chapter 6, we read in verse 3, they set the Ark of God upon a new cart. They brought it out of the house of Abinadab that was in Gibeah and Uzzah and Ohio. The sons of Abinadab drove the new cart. And then we read in verse 6, And when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God to take hold of it, for the oxen shook it. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God smote him there for his error, and he died before the ark of God. Uzzah's death caused David to learn a very valuable lesson and should cause all of us to learn a very valuable lesson. God's work has to be done God's way. Or God's blessings cannot be known. Knowing that God has promised His special presence would be where the ark was. That where the ark was, God's special presence would be evident. Exodus 25 and verse 22, There will I meet with thee. I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim, which are upon the ark of the testimony. David was so motivated By having the presence of God in the place that he called his home, the place called Jerusalem, that David is concerned. The first attempt to bring the ark there, a failure. The second attempt is going to bring great blessing. The first attempt, recorded in the first verses of 2 Samuel chapter 6. But on the second attempt, as the public sings and the trumpeter's trumpet and David dances, and the people of God rejoice, on this the day of greatest spiritual euphoria in the life of David he goes home and he finds he's mocked by his wife in his home for the sincerity of his faith folks it's true those who are involved in service for the Lord should never be surprised when they're ridiculed have you ever been ridiculed because you love the Lord I want you to notice with me this evening the timing of this ridicule. Take your Bibles and turn over with me to 1 Chronicles chapter 15, the parallel passage. 1 Chronicles chapter 15. 1 Chronicles chapter 15. David was confused, burdened, broken, frightened. At the death of Uzzah, so evident was this death, the judgment of God upon Uzzah, that all the children of Israel feared to be near the ark. David, in his confusion, did not give up. He wanted to know the presence of God in the place that he called his home. And after failing to bring the ark to Jerusalem, I read in 1 Chronicles chapter 15, David made him houses in the city of David in verse 1 and prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched for it there a tent. David is sacrificing of his own wealth, of his own personal concerns to prepare a place for the ark. Then David said, verse 2, none ought to carry the ark of God but the Levites. For them hath the Lord chosen to carry the ark of God and to minister unto him forever. David had studied. He had referenced Numbers chapter 4, Numbers chapter 7, the same places that we reference. He had done his homework, and he'd come to discover that the Kohathites among the Levites, and them only, could be responsible for carrying the ark. And now I discover in First Chronicles chapter fifteen and verse twenty-seven that David was clothed in a robe of fine linen, and all the Levites that bear the ark and the singers, and Cananiah, the master of the song and the singers, and David also had upon him an ephod of linen. David is now serving the Lord. And thus all Israel, verse 28, brought the ark of the covenant of the Lord with shouting and with sound of cornet with trumpets and cymbals and making of noise and psalteries and harps. In fact, there are three psalms in the Psalter that David personally wrote for this occasion. He wanted to include his voice among those who were singers. And as they're singing and praising the Lord, they brought the ark of God, chapter 16, verse 1, and set it in the midst of the tent Publicly, David's dedication to bringing this ark brings great joy among all the people, but oh, privately. I read in 1 Chronicles chapter 16, and verse 43, at the end of the chapter, these sad words. David returned to bless his house. Yes, he returned to bless his house. But as he returns to bless his house, the Bible tells us that his wife is despising him. She abhors him she despises him as he sings his praises unto the lord he comes into the presence of his house and his own wife begins to ridicule him john bunyan said this poetically a christian man is seldom long at ease when one trouble is gone another doth him seize spurgeon agreed when we're at the top of the mountain we're not far from the bottom of the valley Let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Times of great spiritual victory are often times of Satan's greatest attacks. It shouldn't surprise us. Why should Satan waste his efforts, waste his energy so to speak, in focusing on those who are lukewarm? It's upon those who are serving the Lord that he focuses his attacks. So I ask you the question again this evening. Have you ever been ridiculed for your faith? you ever found yourself maligned to the point of discouragement when you're seeking to serve the Lord? The source of the ridicule that comes against David. The source is his own wife, Michael. What an irony. Her name means, who is like the Lord? She had grown up in the king's palace. She had known great privileges. She had loved her humble shepherd husband. In fact, loved him so well that in 1 Samuel 28, or chapter 18, rather, verse 28, Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David and that his daughter, Michael, loved him. There came a day when Saul was so upset with David that Saul wanted to kill David. And did you know that Michael, his wife, who so loved her shepherd husband, her young husband, she sheltered him and turned away the soldiers, She made it look like he was lying in bed in their bedroom when actually he wasn't. She risked her life for him. She had loved him. When David was on the run and Saul meant to kill David, Saul gave his daughter Michael her hand away from David and gave Michael to another man. Michael was remarried. She married Phil Ty, according to 1 Samuel 25 and verse 44, by the directive of her king father Saul. But when David became king, he took Michael back, perhaps to spare himself from the public humiliation of having a wife that had been given to another man, perhaps because of his true affection for her, for after all, she had loved him and spared his life. How sad to see then that the source of this ridicule is coming from his own home. Ridicule hurts most when it happens at home. And we need to be reminded that Jesus said in Matthew 10 and verse 35, I'm come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother. Again, Spurgeon said, the unkindest cut of all, the unkindest cut of all that goes to the very quick of a man is when the one he loves and the one who is worth all his love notwithstanding, throws in his teeth his very zeal for Christ. It's one thing to be ridiculed in the workplace from the neighborhood. It's another thing to be ridiculed at home. How sad to have the ridicule coming from his wife, revealing her very heart, for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. Micah loved David the soldier. She didn't like David the saint. Micah loved David in the palace, but she didn't like the piety of David in the streets. She had a natural love for David, who was a strong and vigorous and wonderful man, but she did not have a spiritual love for her husband. And how sad to see that in so many ways there's such division, even in homes that claim to be Christian homes. Her name, after all, meant that she loved the one who indeed was God and the manner of her ridicule. Was most cruel. Come back with me to 2 Samuel, rather, chapter 6. 2 Samuel, chapter 6, when David returned, verse 20 Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David. We don't know if there were others who overheard this ridicule on the part of David's wife. We know that she had come to hate, come to despise her husband in her heart. She'd been rehearsing this moment. She ridicules him to his face. In essence, when she says, You've uncovered yourself before the eyes of the handmaids, David had not done anything lewd. He was still practicing modesty. What she was saying here is, You've lived beneath your office. Here you are a somebody. You're a king. You're following after the throne of Israel. You've taken the position that my father once had. And you're acting like a nobody. You've humbled yourself in the streets. She's using an argument that th- she thinks can sway her husband, appealing to his pride, and saying to him, "Hey, listen, ministry—it's beneath your office. Acting so exuberant about spiritual things, being public about your love for the Lord—that's beneath a person as great as you." Yes, Michael loved David the soldier, but she sought to manipulate him with her cruel words that day. And even so, it can happen in our homes. It happens like this. Are we really going to go to church again? Do you really think you have to be the only one who serves in that capacity? Seriously, we're going to give that much? Oh, I know you're having your devotions, but do you have to talk about it all the time? Can't we just have a little peace in our home? Such things happen in homes of believers even today. David's response becomes... A response that all of us ought to consider. David said unto Michael, It was before the Lord which chose me. He reflects upon the goodness of the Lord. Before the Lord which chose me, before thy father, before all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord, over Israel. Therefore will I play before the Lord. And I will yet be more vile than this. He affirms his commitment to the things of the Lord and will be base in mine own sight and of the hand or the maidservants which thou hast spoken of of them will I be had in honor therefore Michael the daughter of Saul had no child unto the day of her death David being the spiritual leader of the home does not cower at the ridicule you can almost hear the crying out of his spirit as he says yes I was humble as I led in the worship as the ark was coming home and God's going to bless David The seventh chapter of 2 Samuel contains the Davidic covenant. God says, David, because you have a heart to serve me, I'm going to give a legacy to your family forever. The name of David's throne will never be wiped out from the face of the earth or eternity. David is going to be more greatly honored than any man who's ever walked the face of this planet in many ways. And yet David, when he went home, faced ridicule. And Micah, the daughter of Saul, had no child under the day of her death. David's about to be the recipient of the Davidic covenant. Micah, she's about to be the recipient of barrenness. No fruitfulness for her. This one who had no enthusiasm for the things of God. We support a missionary, G.S. Nair. He goes by G.S. because the first two names of his name are both names of Hindu gods. When G.S. Nair came down with tuberculosis, he was placed in a sanitarium in northern India. At the time, he was an officer in the Indian army from a very high caste Indian home. In fact, in southern India, in the state of Kerala, to be a Nair was to be the very highest of caste Indians all over the globe, sociologists sociologists will recognize paternal homes and maternal homes except in Kerala. In Kerala, southern India, it was the Nyers who often went from village to village without marrying, simply impregnating those of lesser caste. This is the history of the Keralans. G.S. was in the military from a high caste Hindu family. When he went into the Tuberculosis Sanitarium, he knew he'd be there for a while and the doctors began to witness to him and he thought, I can argue with these doctors. Give me one of those Bibles. On his second time reading through the entire Bible as he came to the book of Jeremiah, he cried out to the Lord and became a believer in Jesus Christ, his Savior. He wrote to his parents and let them know of his newfound faith in Jesus. They published his obituary in the hometown newspaper. in Trivandrum The state of Kerala, southern India, Nair's obituary was published by his family that rejected him. He could not go home. In fact, many times when he's gone back to Kerala and he's gone back there many times and made a home there, he's been told by the military and by the police roundabout, we can offer no protective services for you if you put your name on a banner saying that you're a Christian preacher. Somebody might take your life and we can't protect you. But he went down to Kerala and he began to preach and souls began to be saved. And over time and through much prayer, his brother trusted Christ as Savior, his mother trusted Christ as Savior, his father trusted Christ as Savior. I had the privilege of being there almost 20 years ago and while preaching on a Sunday morning service at the People's Baptist Church in Trivandrum, the state of Kerala, his sister walked down the aisle and trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. One by one, he's seen his family members come to Christ But oh, the price he paid, the price of ridicule. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely. For great is your reward in heaven. David becomes a testimony in his life of the blessings God can bring. He receives the Davidic covenant, Michael, a life of barrenness, because of a ridicule. May God help us in our homes to be as one. Can two walk together except they be agreed? May God help us to encourage one another. Sons and daughters, fathers and mothers, husbands and wives, aunts and uncles, nieces and nephews, that the place of our home would be the place where our heart is happiest when we know of the encouragement that our family members give when we share the faith. This podcast has been a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church, a church home for all people. If what you've heard has been an encouragement to you, please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you'd like to connect with Colonial or find more resources, you can find us online at colonialindy.org or check us out on Facebook. Thanks for joining us today, and we hope to see you next time on the Colonial Hills Podcast.